0: When I was a child, there was this commercial that was on TV that I never forgot. And we are talking today, we're going through the book of James, and we're going to be talking today about wisdom. How do we gain wisdom? How do we make wise decisions? How many of you ever made a bad decision in your life. That wasn't real wise. Okay, take your neighbor, take their hand, and lift it up, okay? We've all made bad decisions. So here's what I want to do. See how many of you remember this commercial from 1969. Check it out. Mr. Cow, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? I don't know. I always end up biting. Ask Mr. Fox, for he's much cleverer than I. Mr. Fox, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Why don't you ask Mr. Turtle, for he's been around a lot longer than I. Me, (laughs) I bite. Mr. Turtle... How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? I never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl, for he is the wisest of us all. Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three, three. If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. All right. How do you remember that? How many remember? That? Okay. All right. Now, here's the thing. There's actually a group of engineering students from Purdue University that reported that its licking machine modeled after a human tongue took an average of 364 licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop. They said that the average human tongue took 252. Now, some researchers uh, uh, digressed from that from Florida State and, and NYU University and said it took more like 1,000. Now, here's, here's my thing to that whole, all of that. I am so glad that we've got engineering students that are on this mystery and hard at work at the question of how many looks does it take to get to the center, center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop. Now, the conclusion to all of this, here's my question to all of this, to that commercial. My question is, why isn't the little boy wearing any clothes in the commercial? That's the question right there. Um, what's, <laughs> what's interesting about this, we may never know how many looks it takes to get to the center of a, a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop. But here's the thing. How many of you know a great ad campaign? is a great ad campaign when you remember it 50 years later. And what's interesting about the commercial is that everyone directed the little boy to the wise owl because they thought – that the owl was the wisest. And here's what we're looking at today. As we've been going through the book of James, James was a brother of Jesus. He writes this letter uh, to those who are scattered about in the Roman Empire, and he writes to those that are under pressure, under persecution. He's writing to those to share with them, to tell them, listen, this is this is what it looks like to live an authentic Christian life. He kind of needles them a little bit. He pokes them a little bit to say, listen, if if you want to truly live for Christ, And understand what it means to be wise in God. Here are the things that you need to do. And and the book is so practical on what it actually looks like to live for God. And this is kind of the section in the, in the letter that we're in today. We're going to be looking at uh, what it means to be wise, um, in the Lord. How, how do we have wisdom in making, uh, decisions? Um, and so what, what, James says is he gives them this mandate and he says, listen, you need to grow up in, in your Christian walk. If you say you believe in Christ and you say that you're a Christian, then here are the things that are going to follow your life. Here's the fruit that's going to be following your life. How many know it's, it's much more than what you say or what you may know about Jesus. It's how we live it out in our everyday. Day lives. So James wants his readers to take responsibility for their lives and show them this is what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. I love the practicality of the book. And the one thing that James addresses throughout the book and a couple chapters that we're going to look at today, some verses, is our need for wisdom and how do we walk with the wisdom of God. And we all know wisdom is something we all need. How many problems would have been avoided if we just used wisdom. And we've all made bad decisions. You may be thinking, yeah, I'm sitting next to my bad decision. Kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. All right. So we've we Listen, we've all made those bad decisions in our life. You're up late, you're tired, that commercial comes on and you're thinking, how did I ever live my life without the Ginsu knives? How did I ever live my life without the bamboo steamer or the Ronco record cleaner? I need those things. And when you're up at three o'clock in the morning, doesn't it seem so wonderful? And then it, it comes and you're like, what did I just do? Why did I make this bad decision? We all have made bad decisions one time or another. And one of the prayers that I, I always pray in my life is that I ask God for wisdom. True wisdom, not me-centered wisdom, but true God-centered wisdom. Because we all have to make decisions every single day in our lives. And God wants to help us with that. And so James tells us that God generously gives us wisdom when we ask. And so James will also say, listen, with godly wisdom... Understand this, it should be seen in the way you live your life. So not only does he say, hey, pray for wisdom, and God generously gives us wisdom, but James is also going to show us, here's what godly wisdom actually looks like in your life. Here is what wise people do. Here is how wise people live in their life in Jesus Christ. So let me give you this first verse in the first chapter. In, in fact, in, in verse five, listen to what he says right off the bat here in his letter. He says, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, James one, five, is that James one, five? No, we're a little, can we, is there James one, five up there? James one, five, let me read it for you. That's the next verse. So let me, let me read James one, five for you. James one, five says, if you need wisdom, Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. There it is. So if you need wisdom, he goes, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. So God wants us to come to him. when we need wisdom, whatever decision that you're making. How I many you know if we want to please God in our life? I want to make sure that I'm doing what God requires of me, that God is pleased with the decisions that I'm making, whatever decision that we're making. And, and James says, listen, God's not going to rebuke you for that. He wants you to come to him, he wants to give you wisdom in every In your everyday life. Okay, now let's jump over to to chapter 3 of James. Because now James says, listen, we need to ask for wisdom. But then he says, this is what wise people look like. It's going to get very practical here in chapter uh, 3 of his letter here, verses 13 through 18. He says, if you are wise and and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from what? Wisdom. So people that are wise in God walk humbly before the Lord. That's a wise person. But he says, listen, the opposite of a wise person is this. He says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and actually demonic for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition. There you will find disorder and, uh, and evil of every kind. But he said, the wisdom that's from above is first of all, pure. It's also peace, loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to one another. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So what is James saying here? What James is saying here is wisdom is not just good decision-making. It's also living it out. It's not just good decision-making, which how many of us all want to make good decisions in our life? We all want to make good decisions in our life, but it's also actually living it out in our life. So we can be wise in our decision-making with God's help, and we can practically live it out by the way we act. So wisdom is not necessarily just smarts. I mean, how many know you can get a perfect score on your SAT and still not be wise? Have you ever met someone like that? They just have a lot of smarts, but they're just not wise in their decision-making. They just do kind of Nutty stuff, right? So it's not necessarily smarts, so and we're going to look at the difference between wisdom and knowledge. And so, let me ask the first question: How 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 are wisdom and knowledge defined? So let's look at the difference between wisdom and knowledge. How are these two things defined between wisdom and knowledge? Let me let me first define wisdom for you. Wisdom is defined as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. So wisdom is defined as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. Now, on the other hand, knowledge is information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance. So knowledge is information gained through experience, reason, or acquaintance. So we can have knowledge without wisdom, but not the other way around. So uh, let, let me explain it this way. I can have knowledge on how to drive a car, right? Somebody can, so here, here's everything about a car. Here's the accelerator. Here's the brake. Here's the steering wheel. You can sit in a class for four hours, learn all about a car and how to drive a car. But how many know it takes wisdom on how to drive a car safely, uh, can I just say something? God, we talked about patience last week in our tongue. Got a lot of feedback from that last week, by the way. Um, this week, for some reason, I don't know what it was, and God must have been testing me. But it was like I had to have so much patience driving this week. There was I'm not kidding. There wasn't a matter of five minutes yesterday where two cars cut me off. And I'm just like, remember last week? Remember last week? remember what you talked about, Pastor Varden, last week. Start preaching to yourself. Start preaching to yourself, right? We, listen, there's some people who may have knowledge about a car, but have no idea how to drive a car. They they're not using wisdom on the road. Please use wisdom on the road, okay? Can we do that? little wisdom out there? Okay. So listen, we can have knowledge about a car, but, but not know how to drive it safe, safely. That's wisdom. So we need knowledge in, in, in order to understand God and what's required of us. And we need wisdom in order to actually live it out in our lives. So wisdom is not just knowing the facts about the Bible. We can memorize the Bible, Bible verses. We can have our theology down pat, yet actually not live it out. Because here, here, here's the issue. Listen, We can have a scripture. We can memorize a scripture on forgiveness that we need to forgive each other because Christ has forgiven us. I mean, we can know that and have the knowledge like, oh, I know that scripture verse. Yeah, we should forgive each other. But if we hold forgiveness from someone and we're not forgiving one another, guess what? We are not wise. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of Bible knowledge, that understand what the Bible says, or maybe they were brought up in church and they understand all these things. But yet if we hold bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts, what James is saying is we are not wise. We're not applying what the word says into the way we live our lives. And so this is what James says is a wise person. These are the things that we need to strive for in our pursuit of God. And so in other words, wisdom is not merely intellectual, but it's actually behavioral. It's not just being an intellectual person about what you know about God or your theology, but it's actually behavioral. How are we actually living out what we know? The two go hand in hand. Yes, we need to know our word. Yes, we need to know our theology, But if we're not living it out in our life, there's a disconnect between what I know and how I'm living it out in my life. Amen? Everybody here this morning? Amen? Three people? Good. Okay. We'll move on. Okay. So let me throw this out. Wisdom doesn't reject discipline or refuse correction. So what it does is it doesn't, true wisdom, James is saying, it doesn't reject discipline or refuse correction. What he's saying is someone that is wise walks humbly before the Lord. And so it, it, it's open to, uh, to, to discipline and, and it, it doesn't refuse correction when they are wrong. I like what Proverbs 1.7 says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So he, here's the problem with, with knowledge. Knowledge can puff us up, can it? We can feel, ever, have you ever met someone that's a know-it-all? Or you talk to somebody and they always have to one-up your story, you know, and you're trying to sell this great story and say, oh yeah, but I, and you're like, okay, well now my story's not that great, right? And they're always trying to one-up you. See, knowledge, if we're not careful, can puff us up. And, and what James is saying is true wisdom from God actually does the opposite. It humbles us. It keeps us open to correction, it shows us that our lives are not perfect all the time and that we need correction in our lives at times. And we need to understand that God is doing it to keep us humble before him. So wisdom actually is the complement to knowledge. Wisdom puts knowledge in its place. So as we gain knowledge, if we don't have wisdom, we're going to puff ourselves up and we're going to get prideful, And we're going to think more of ourselves than we ought to. So, wisdom, James says, is the complement to knowledge because wisdom humbles us. It takes that knowledge, but it humbles us and it walks rightly before the Lord. And so, through knowledge, I understand. That the light is red, but wisdom says you need to put your foot on the brake, right? You need to stop. Wisdom says it's yellow and you still got another 300 feet to go. Don't press on the accelerator. Not a good idea. Don't do it. Don't run that light because it's going to turn red. Wisdom says, you know what? Just put the brake on and just wait at the light. So you get home another two minutes later. Amen? That was for somebody out there. That was for somebody out there. Okay, so listen, wisdom is the complement to knowledge. So why do we do dumb things? If you ever ask yourself, why do I do dumb things? Or why do I do the same dumb thing over again? Right? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Parents, you understand that with your kids, right? And even, let's point the finger at ourselves. We do dumb things. See, the reason we do dumb things is not for the sake of knowledge. Because how many know, I know not to do that dumb thing. Why did I do that dumb thing again? Why did I do that? See, it's not for the sake of knowledge. It's for the sake of wisdom. We're not applying wisdom to that situation. We all say to ourselves, I knew better. I knew better, right? And I know, you know, when I was younger, my friends and I, we would build bike ramps, bike jumps, right? We knew how to build that bike jump, bike ramp, but we didn't have wisdom to wear helmets, which makes a lot of sense about my life. I know you guys are connecting the dots there, okay? Okay? A lot of concussions as a kid. And, you know, we had this wisdom, but we, you know, this knowledge of how to do this, and we do it over and over again, and we would wipe out, and we would, and you know, we just do the same dumb thing over and over and over again. It's not because of the lack of knowledge. It's because of the lack of wisdom. And, and it's, it's, we tell ourselves it all the time. I knew better. Why? Because we didn't listen to wisdom. We didn't listen to it. We refused to humble ourselves. We felt like we knew better. Our pride got in the way. And then what we begin to do is we begin to justify our actions. Well, I know how to do this. I've been doing this my whole life. Right? Right. We lie to ourselves and we just, we don't wisdom. What it tells us is, Hey, you need to humble yourself here. You, 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 you need to become vulnerable here. You need to become teachable here. Isn't it amazing when we humble ourselves and become vulnerable and we open ourselves up to wisdom, how it humbles us, how it opens up our hearts and our ears to actually hear what God has for us. See, your biggest struggle in coming to God is not going to be knowledge. It's so interesting how people say, well, I have all these questions about God. And what about this? And you can answer all these questions. The hardest thing is your heart, the hardness of your heart. That's the problem. Because you, I can help answer all these questions for you if you're struggling with God and who God is. And there are answers. There are great answers. And many people hear these answers, but they refuse to open their hearts to those answers because of the hardness of their own heart. They refuse to accept that wisdom because they would, they would rather live the way they want to live than be open to what God would have for them and show them the reality of their heart. See wisdom speaks to our heart. I heard one pastor, he would do this during marital counseling and what he would do is he would draw this big, big circle and he would have each couple just draw a slice that would represent their fault. So if it was 50% or maybe a quarter or even just maybe, maybe one one of the couples would just draw a tiny little like sliver, like this is only my part of this problem of of the marriage. And was interesting. The pastor said, he said a hundred percent of the time they would never draw a slice why because if you draw a slice you have to be nice right if if you admit see wisdom speaks to our hearts and say you know what i'm part of this problem see wisdom humbles you to say yeah i've got to open my heart up to correction too that i have a part of this too but what's hard for us to do is to admit it. See, wisdom helps to for us to see our heart and where we are so that we can admit who we truly are so that God can deal with our life. See, James tells us that wisdom from God looks like this. So according to James, what do wise people know? What do wise people know. And so I want to look at this because he gets very specific in chapter three. And he said, this is what wise people know. And if you want to walk in wisdom, this is what James says we ought to do as followers of Jesus Christ. So let's, as our pursuit, listen, 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 every single one of us should be disciples and continue our discipleship, walk with Jesus. Every single, listen, I would, I would encourage you to memorize scripture and come to our Wednesday night studies, get involved in a small group, a a, a Bible study. I would, you know, read. Read the Bible. I mean, I, I want to encourage you to do that. Do that. Understand who God is and what he has for his life. And so I would encourage you to do that as your pastor. Read it on your own. Don't allow Sunday to be the only time you hear any kind of, you know, teaching on the word of God. You be a pursuer of God and you read the word on your own. So I would want to encourage you as you gain knowledge in the Lord to do that and to become a disciple of Jesus and continue to grow in him. But here's, I want you to use wisdom in the way you do that. And so as we apply our Bible knowledge and who God is to our hearts, James says, this is how you walk wisely in that knowledge. And so he says this wise people walk in humility, wise people walk in humility. One of the prominent characteristics I have seen and wise people that I've known um, is humility. Not just merely knowledge, but they take that knowledge and they walk in humility. Wisdom from God is always seen in humility, James says. In fact, in verse 13, James tells us that wise people honor God by doing good works in humility. It's not about getting the accolades. So how do we, let's just use this example. How do we do good works in the Lord, in wisdom. Because how many, you know, it's, it's, we should be doing good things. We should be doing good works. But, but how do we do it so that the good works don't lift me up and make me look good? How do I, how do, I do good works in the Lord but do them in wisdom? Because we all, how I many, we all know that we should be doing good things in Jesus' name? Can, can, can I get a consensus? All right, we all know we should be doing that. But how many know sometimes we don't do it with the correct motives? Right. Sometimes we do it because, because we get a pat on the back or that it makes me look good. Right. You know, so how do we do that with wisdom? Well, well, James talks about this. He says, he says, when we do it, um, when we do good works, it needs to be done in humility. And really let the, the understanding of the word humility here that James uses is really used to describe a horse that has been broken. So that so that its strength and power was under control. So there's, there, you have a horse. The moment it's broken, it still has that strength and the power it did before when it's bucking and going all over the place. It still has that power and strength, but now it's been broken. So now that strength and that power is under control. So humility, the definition of that word actually means power under control or strength under control. Humility is that power under control. Humility says this. It's, it's willing to take that menial job. It it seeks the best in others. Humility says, it it, it willingly says, listen, this thing is not beneath me to do this. I want to serve someone else. Even though I may not get the accolades or I may not get the credit, humility says, you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to do it anyways. It's a power under control. It's, it's, I may, I may be in this position in my life, or I may have this type of authority or this type of power, but you know what it says? It says, these tasks are not beneath me. I can remember as a student in college, the president of our school, I remember I had to come early to school And um, we were painting the hallways of the dorm. And I can remember one time, uh, it was very early in the morning when no one else was there. And I can remember uh, walking in the dorm of our room and seeing the president of our college painting the hallway. When no one else saw him do that. I did. He didn't get up in chapel the next day and say, listen, I'm painting the dorms with everybody else. Look at me. I'm such a wonderful leader and a president. No, he just did it. He had the power, all the power as the president of our school, yet he was painting the hallways and cleaning up and doing all these things that he, he wasn't required to do. But through humility and wisdom, he did it. I'll never forgot that. I don't remember a single thing he preached on at all in chapel ever, but I remember that. I'm, I'm serious. I don't really remember a whole lot. I, I don't, but I do remember isn't that amazing? That visual servant's heart is what stuck with me 30-something, 30 35 years later. <laughs> oh, it's been a long time since I graduated college. So it's becoming vulnerable. So humility is willing to serve others, you know, at their own expense. So it's, it's like I'm willing to serve others at my own expense. You know, I don't care what it brings me, but I want to lift others up. That's what James is saying. And so what he says here, he says, wise people don't harbor jealousy or seek to promote themselves. So wise people have this servant, servant's heart. They're not harboring jealousy. They're not trying to promote themselves. And so James tells that jealousy and what jealousy is, it's, it's resentment for what someone else has or done. And what this does, what jealousy does is it creates strife within relationships, James says if you use wisdom in your relationships, what it's going, true wisdom, wisdom that is, is seen with humility, what it's going to do is it's going to bring unity within relationships, not dissension. Now think back, think about your relationships and why most relationships break down or become very ugly Isn't it because of these very things, jealousy, not get my own way. People, they did this, they did that. And we don't humble ourselves to one another to try to reconcile those things. And then bitterness, and it drives a wedge. And then we form our own little camps. And then we form these people who like are on our side. And then we get these people who they're on their side. And they said this, and you said that, and blah, blah, blah. That's what happens. It happens in churches. It happens in the world, but it also happens in churches. True godly wisdom guards us from that. And so James uses a word, he says, self-ambition or strife. This should not be in a wise person's heart. The, the term there, self-ambition, is really a term described by a politician trying to gain votes through selfish reason and trying to win people. Win people to their side, even if it means trampling on others. Now, that never happens in our political system here in the United States. We never see that, right? We don't. See, that's exactly what strife is and self ambition. It's trying to gain people to our side, which ends up creating division. So, godly wisdom, James says, doesn't seek to create factions or divisions. What it does is it does just the opposite. What can I do to bring unity and peace to relationships? And you do that by serving each other. And if we're not careful within the body of Christ, we can create camps within the church of opposing views. If if we're not, uh, you know, if we're not careful and as passionate as we may be about certain things, preferences, we may have, we may, we need to guard our hearts against selfish ambition, which can actually lead to discourse. And, and most of the issues within the body of Christ are, do, do not come from doctrinal issues. They come from preferential issues. There are preferences that I have that I want and I want my way and I don't like it. And so then we end up forming camps and, and it can be very subjective. We we can say things to one another like, Hey, do you like the changes or what do you think about that? Or what do you think they meant by that? Right? And you, you, Let's be honest. You know what you're saying. And you're trying to get something out of someone else to agree with you. And then all of a sudden, that little hairline fracture begins to fracture the fellowship of the church. And then we begin to form little camps, right? And so we get people on this side. Oh, I like this. And blah, 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 blah. And then we get people, here. oh, I like this. And if we're not careful, and if we don't use wisdom, and we don't walk humbly in those situations, it can create discourse. So how are we when something doesn't go our way or when we don't get our way, are we willing to lay down our preferences for the betterment of the whole? I'm talking about preferences, I'm not talking about doctrinal issues. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about biblical truths. I'm talking about preferences. I'm even talking about this within your own relationships or your, your marital relationships, So many times we dig our heels into the ground because we want our ways and we cross our arms. Right? And we're not willing to bend at all because we want it our way. See, wisdom guards against division and it actually seeks to reconcile. Godly wisdom is proactive, proactive in the way it seeks out to bring unity within relationships. And so what, what James says is, he says, wise people are peacemakers that actually seek unity and reconciliation. Now, let, let, let's, let me bring this into the gospel message and what Jesus did for, for us. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love towards us by doing what? By sending us his son to die for us. He, he didn't. wait. Listen, Jesus didn't wait for you to play nice. Jesus didn't wait for you to get your life all together. Get all religious. Say the right religious things. Wear the right religious clothes. Right? He didn't do that. He came while we were sinners and actually not friends with God. So Jesus came to bring peace two is by reconciling us and back to a right relationship with God by giving his very own life for our sin. If we don't get that, if we don't understand the price that Jesus paid for our salvation, then we're not going to really care about reconciling relationships. There's always going to be a disconnect there. Jesus shed his very blood, gave his very life so that we can have a right relationship with God again, when none of us deserved it or merited it. It was a free gift of his grace. He does for you and I. And I'm not saying it's not easy. I'm not saying that some of your relationships are very difficult or the situations are deep. We all have them. But at the end of the day, if I'm not forgiving someone, I'm missing the understanding of how Jesus forgave me when I didn't deserve it. Does that make sense? See, that's when it becomes real. That's when we begin to use wisdom in our lives. That's when we begin to seek unity. So peacemakers, James is saying, are willing to listen. They're open to reason and they're full of mercy. James says that they are willing to yield to one another, not in a gullible way or with no sense, but for the sake of unity, we're willing to yield to one another to bring peace into that relationship so that Christ is glorified. My ambition here is not so much about being right as it is about that relationship. I care about that relationship. And so many times I think for the sake of relationships, we just want to be right and we want to hammer that point down and we are, we're going to get our point down and blah, blah, blah. Okay, good. I know. You're right. And then meanwhile the person says, I want nothing more to do with you, okay? I mean, that's not the point James is making. Wisdom is about that relationship too, and making that right. Do you, do you realize Jesus just could have came to earth and just pointed out all our faults? And do we have a lot of them? Right? I say it all the time. If I were to show all the things you thought about the last week and show them up on the screen for all of us to see, you wouldn't show up to church, neither would I, right? Let's just be honest. We wouldn't. See, we all have faults. And we need God's grace. And we need His mercy. And when you understand the mercy and grace that God has given you, it humbles your heart so that you can show grace and mercy towards others. And then Christ is glorified, and it's amazing how relationships are healed. And how forgiveness flows when we walk in that type of attitude. So peacemakers, they're they're willing to listen and they're full of mercy. See, they generally care about the health of the church and they desire God's will. And so James says, listen, they're teachable. They're always learning. They seek to understand in order to please God. And what that does is it creates an environment of peace and unity. It creates a culture within the body of Christ that's about peace and unity and offering forgiveness. That doesn't mean we're always going to have the same opinions. Everybody's got their own opinion, right? That that We all have our preferences. We all do. And they're all wonderful. We all have things that we like. We all listen to different music, don't we? Just get in the car with your kids. The cool thing about my kids is they like 70s music now. So that's we're on the same page when it comes to that. I'm like, yes. Took about 15 years to keep pushing in their heads, but they like it now. Um, Listen, we all have different music styles and preferences. And listen, when we're able to lay those things down for the sake of the betterment of the whole, for the unity of the whole, and we don't allow those things to divide us, it creates a culture within our body. It says, I care more about that relationship than I do about my own personal preferences. I care more about Jesus being glorified in our midst than whether or not I got my own way. See, that's what James, that's what James is saying. He says, that's the wisdom. It's full of mercy and seeks unity. They're peacemakers. That's a wise person. And that can only come from Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate example. I can remember, there's this vivid example. I remember when we were, oh, it was many, many years ago, I think it was 2007. We were in Costa Rica and we were building a new uh, church for a church there in um, Costa Rica. And we went in November, which is their rainy season. So it like rained the whole week we were there. And we were building, um, you know, block walls for the church. And we're, for some of you that were there, um, I don't think you ever went on another mission trip uh, again because I killed you that week, right? We're um, wheel bearing concrete through like mud that's like a foot deep, and it was just, it was just fun. That's all I can say. It was fun the whole week, and their old church. Um, had just holes in the ceiling because we're building a new one. So the old church was really in disrepair, and it was raining. And I can remember, what, and this is just the culture of that church, about how that church was all about serving. You could just see it. Not only were they worshiping God, it was fun worshiping with them, but what happened one night, for those of you you I think you'll remember this, it was raining, and it was pouring, and it was like drops were just we're inside the church and we don't have umbrellas. We're, you know, we're all getting wet. And here's what the church did. The church gave us their umbrellas. They moved us to a spot where we could be dry and the church got wet. And I'm like, "No, no, no, we'll get no, they're like, "No, they wouldn't let us do it." They said, "No, here's our umbrella. We want you to be dry. We'll get wet for you." Is that laying your preferences down? That pastor taught that church what it means to be a servant. He didn't ask him to do it. They just did it. I was like, wow, what a great example of being wise and being humble and using mercy and serving someone else for the betterment of their needs and not just our own. They served us. And that was an example that just constantly uh, is is a reminder in my mind of of how we should walk in wisdom. I heard this story um, uh, about a football player, Roger Staubach. Some of you may remember Roger Staubach. He, he was a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. They won the Super Bowl with him at the helm as quarterback in 1971. And Tom Landry, who was a great coach, um, uh, he, what Tom Landry did, he would actually call in the plays. And so... Uh, Roger Staubach, you know, was a star quarterback. And he said, I remember there was a time where I really began to struggle because, he goes, I was a good quarterback. And he goes, pride began to enter my heart because, he goes, I want to start making my own calls. He goes, I knew the plays. I knew the right plays. I didn't need someone from the sideline calling the plays into me. I wanted to do it myself. And he goes, I really um, struggled uh, with this. And he says, you know, uh, uh, was I going to allow pride – to run this team or or was I going to humble myself to hearing the calls from Tom Landry. And so Roger said he had a decision to make. Would he allow pride to rule his life and and do what he wants, uh, you know, and start making decisions and really begin to get a conflict here with the head coach. And this is what Stahlbeck said, this is what he said. He said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony. Fulfillment and victory. See what wisdom says is this wisdom humbles our hearts before God and say, God, you know better. I may not understand this fully, but I'm going to submit my heart to you. I'm going to become obedient to you and listen, it doesn't mean that people deserve things, right? Uh, you, you, we, we could sit there. Well, that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Guess what? None of us deserve God's forgiveness, either. That's where God's grace comes in. See, that's wisdom. And see the way God wants us to treat each other and our relationships and within the body of Christ is that we need to really continue to learn. How do I show mercy? How am I serving my fellow brother and sister in the Lord Um, take inventory of your relationships. Are you using wisdom that we just talked about here? True godly wisdom in some of your most difficult relationships. How many know that the easy relationships are the fun ones, right? They're easy and we get along, but the ones that that person just rubs you the wrong way, they just irritate you. They irritate every last nerve of you, right? You purposely go the other way when you see them. You've already blocked them from your calls, right? You know, those people see that. Those are the people that God wants to use in your life. He uses them to irritate you so that, so that you can show wisdom and mercy and grace. That's how God wants you to grow. And so what I would say to you, are there things in your life? What is coming out of your mouth? How are you treating other people? What are you saying about other people when you're with a group that agrees with you? Are you catching yourself and saying, am I using wisdom here? Is this actually creating unity or is this actually creating disunity? Am I helping this situation to rectify it, to cause the body of Christ to grow further in Jesus Christ Or or am I actually detrimental to what God is trying to do within his body? That's when you pray and you ask for wisdom. That's the type of wisdom God will give you. You'll be in a situation where you would have said, oh, I would have reacted that way. I would have said something really nasty. But all of a sudden God gives me his wisdom and says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not wisdom. That's not bringing unity. That's not showing mercy. That's not having a humble spirit. And all of a sudden the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit is there in our lives now to give us wisdom and understanding on how to correctly deal with that. And I guarantee you, when you apply that wisdom to your relationship and to your life, you're going to have a better life. God's going to show you great things in your heart and your life that you wouldn't otherwise see. That's how He wants us to walk. And so, the takeaway is this. What are some steps that you can take in your life to become more passionate about pursuing God's wisdom? What are steps that you need to take in your life to become more passionate in pursuing God's wisdom in your life? And so, this is what I would tell you. This is what I would tell you. Is just. Take inventory of your life and just say, God, are there areas in my life that I'm just agitated and irritated in? And these things are just, and I need wisdom in those areas. When you, when you pray to make a decision, humbly give that before the Lord and say, God, I need your wisdom here. I want to do what's right in your eyes. You can ask other people that are godly in your life. Say, what what what's your thoughts about this? Am I doing this the right way? It's okay to get godly wisdom. Amen. For people that can pray for us and help us with decision making in our life so that, so that we feel like we're honoring God in our decision making. But, but listen, let's take it deeper than just that. Let's take it into our relationships and let's walk humbly before each other as we serve each other. And when we do that, Christ will be exalted in our midst and the culture that we create because of that is a culture that is God honoring and Jesus loving. That's true. Godly wisdom. Amen. And so I want to pray for you today. And I know, listen, some of you here, you may have some really difficult relationships that, that you're dealing with. And, and I, I want to pray for God's wisdom that God would first change your heart and that God would allow you to see through his eyes first as you deal with that situation. Because how you know we still have to deal with those situations. We, we still have to talk and maybe correct someone or maybe show them, but we can do it in a completely different spirit when we walk in humility. Amen. And that's the wisdom I want to pray for you because some of you, you've been in relationships and it's just, imploded and exploded and it goes nowhere and it's like, man, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere here. And I, I think some of it, a lot of it needs to come first from us where God has to first change our hearts so that we're walking in wisdom and how we deal with those relationships, whether it's our family relationships, church relationships that we're walking in humility and we're offering forgiveness and we're striving to be peacemakers, not cause division or further factions Within relationships. So let me, let me pray for you today. As I let you off into this beautiful last day of summer. I said it. Amen. Would you buy your hearts with me? And uh, I want to pray for you today and just ask God just to help you in your relationship with him. Father God, I just want to thank you for today and I want to thank you for your people. And Lord, I thank you for just your love for us. I thank you Lord that you never leave us or forsake us. And I just pray there are some maybe some very difficult uh, situations here today that people are dealing with. And I pray Lord that you would just bring your wisdom to each and every heart. That God wisdom that is from you Lord walks in humility and has a servant's heart. It's not seeking our own good but the good of others Lord. Help us to walk in the spirit of Christ. And when we do that, you are exalted in unity. Uh, we bring unity into those relationships and you are glorified. And that's what we desire as we walk under your hand. So we want your blessings, God. We, we want to do what's right in your eyes. So give us the boldness and the wisdom to do what you've called us to do. And so I thank you that when we lack wisdom, we can ask you, Lord, who abundantly gives us wisdom on how to do what's right in your eyes, Lord, and that's what we're seeking for. So we thank you for your word. We thank you that, um, Lord, you give it to us, and thank you, Jesus, for the example that we have in you so that we can do what you've called us to do. So we love you, we thank you, and we just want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen? Amen. Let's-